So our last two services together, you know, we did a series called Expectations, and we talked about how God had flipped the expectations of those who were looking forward to Messiah coming. Well, you know, who would have known besides God how he would have changed our expectations in 2020? I mean, everything changed. And the two biggest Sundays that the church looks forward to, like Christmas and Easter, for guests coming in and our biggest attendance, we had to change and, and go completely virtual for those. That, that was a total flipping of the script for us. And now we have to finish this year online, something that we never anticipated happening but as we studied last week, as we got together, our last in-person service on Sunday, we talked about something that now, as I look back, was really helpful for me. And we said, you know what? God is in the details. And how true that is. God's in the details of our lives. God understands what's going on. He's not taken by surprise. He knows what's best for us. And we, we mentioned last week, instead of this mentality of remove me it's improve me and God has something that we need to learn through all of this as a church and even as individuals so God don't remove me don't don't just take all my problems away to make life cushy for me God improve me help me to understand what you have for me moving forward and so that's our mentality so this Sunday and next Sunday, January 3rd, I want to talk about two emphases that we want to carry into the new year. Two emphases that we want to carry into the new year. I'm looking at, you know, what were some of the challenges of 2020 and what can we think about for the new year to help develop and grow as a church family. So I want to look at people that followed Jesus Today, I want to think about people that follow Jesus invest themselves in others. They give and they invest themselves in others. Now, the Bible has some famous quotes about giving and about investing. In fact, one of them is, um, is universal. It's God loves a cheerful giver. And another one many people know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I, and I just want you to know that for 2020, um, it didn't deplete our church of our financial resources. We're thankful for what God has done for us financially. But it did take a hit on us relationally, with our connections, and with our love. To me, that's important. And that's what I want to talk about today, and that's what I want to talk about next week. How do we invest ourselves relationally and with our connection and with our love? You know, society today would like us to believe that it's more blessed to receive than to give. Will Rogers has this quote. He says, advertising is the art of convincing people to spend money they don't have for something that they don't need and how true that is. You know, there's pics of advertisement and we've seen them all the way through the Christmas season 
<clears throat> you know, everyone is smiling. You know, if you just had this product, if you just had this item, you would be happy too. <clears throat> and today's value set is so inverted, it just leads people to believe they'll be more happy by getting than by giving. But giving and investing ourselves in others is the foundational trait of a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a foundational trait of Jesus Christ himself. And in fact, since the very first family, Adam and Eve, the Bible has noted that everyone who follows God is characterized by giving and worshiping and investing in him and in others. In fact, even if you go back to the first family, Abel and Cain, giving was a mark of worship and was seen as a staple of those who were following God. And the difference between Abel and Cain, Abel was giving of his first fruits and, and giving and worship and, and Cain was stingy and did not want to invest in any way in worship. Jesus told a parable about a widow who gave two copper coins and, and it was all that she had. And, and we understood that from that parable, you know, it's not as much how much you give, but it's how you give and the way that you give and the proportion that you give and invest. Then there's the, the account and the miracle that Jesus talks about with the five loaves and two fish. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Then even Christmas, which we just celebrated, you know, the very first people that came along, the, the, the wise men about two years later, after Jesus was born, the, the wise men came along and, and they gave gifts to Jesus of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they all had significance in, in the baby Jesus and his life and even in his death. Then there was Mary who poured out incense on the feet of Jesus as she washed his feet. And, and even the, the investment that she put there was nearly a year's worth of wages. And then giving is seen as a mark of true discipleship and genuine Christ-likeness as we saw Barnabas in the New Testament who gave away all his possessions in order to be able to help his brothers and sisters in need. And then it was seen as a mark of following because um, even fake generosity, like with Ananias and Sapphira, they, they had others wanting to have an inflated view of themselves, um, thinking that they were generous when, when they really were not. And, and followers of Jesus were also asked to give in food and compassion and in forgiveness. And Jesus said, you know, whoever's done it to the least of these has done it unto me. Giving and investing in God's kingdom and in other people has always been a hallmark of those who are worshipers of Jesus Christ. True followers of Jesus invest in his kingdom and in others. 
So let's just take a moment and I want to look at a familiar miracle of Jesus from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And this is going to note a very significant trait that I believe that needs to be in our hearts as we look forward to 2021. And remember, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about investing our lives in other people. So as we look here at chapter 6 of John, the first 14 or 15 verses outline the whole account of this miracle in the setting. And if I could, I just want to read um, through what, what was being set up in this miracle. Let me read the first number of verses. You're going to see what, what Jesus was doing as he set up this miracle. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, now notice he's setting this whole thing up with this question to Philip. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Notice verse 6. He asked this only to test him. He already knew or had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So notice what was going on in this, in this account as Jesus was, he was setting up an impossible situation. He already knew what he was going to do. There were upwards to 15,000 people. The text talks about 5,000 men, and then if you add in women, and if you add in children, probably at least 15,000 people that were present in this crowd that were following Jesus. No food, no money, and even Andrew says, you know what, it will take over a half year's wages for everyone, even just to have a bite, not for them to be sustained, not for them to be filled, but even just to send a bite around the entire crowd. And then the text gives a little bit of insight because Jesus wasn't asking questions to learn something. Jesus wasn't having a discussion in order to gain information. Jesus was asking questions to be able to teach these guys some lessons. He wanted to test their faith. He wanted to show them. He wanted to stretch them of what he can do. He wanted to teach them lessons about investing. Investing what they have and what he can do with what they have. So here's some incredible lessons that Jesus gives on investing 
in his kingdom and investing in others. So I want to give you just a few things and then we're going to finish up this morning in our discussion together. So here's number one. Starting in verse 9, this is just a really neat lesson. But I want us to think about this. Give no matter what you have. Give no matter what you have. And I want us to be reminded this isn't talking about money specifically. Give no matter what you have. What was the need? The need was for food for up to 15 thousand people it would have taken more than six months of wages to get a bite for everyone but still it would not have satisfied them you know it's just difficult to figure out exactly what kind of money would have been needed but if we put this in today's terms i just thought this through here a little bit if we put this in today's terms if we went to buy a granola bar For everyone that was in that crowd, 15,000 people, it would have been upwards to $8,000 to buy a granola bar for everyone there. Now, I don't know about you, that would have been a nice little snack, but that would not have satisfied my craving for a meal. $8,000 for a granola bar for everyone present. Now, $8,000, that's like our grocery bill for a month in our home. You know, that's, that's a lot of money. So anyways, going from there, let's just think about it. If we wanted to give them all a meal, let's just take one of the smallest meals. Let's just say we took them all through the drive-thru at McDonald's and we bought them all a Happy Meal for If you put that kind of math together, you're upwards to eighty to $85,000 for everyone present in that whole crowd. And that's just for lunch. Now that is a massive, massive need. So this whole thing is just gigantic. And on this scene steps this little boy with his sack lunch And it's interesting to see how people view this gift because some people view these loaves as like, you know, foot-long loaves and and two large fish. Yet the text calls a loaf small barley loaves and two small fish. These were small things that would be a part of his small sack lunch that would have been, for him only, it would have been enough to sustain this little boy for his lunchtime. And this knowingly would not have been enough, but the boy offered this little sack lunch, knowing it would not have cared for much. But he offered it into the hands of Jesus Christ. Now, how many would have thought in this situation, I don't have much to give? I mean, what's this going to do? In fact, by me giving it up, what will I have? I won't have anything for me. How many times have we thought this in our lives? I don't have much to give. And if I do give it, I won't have anything for me. I don't have much talent. I don't have much time. I don't have much resource. And Jesus teaches from this account right here 
that we should give from whatever he has given to us, even if we don't feel that it is much. Don't diminish what you have when we put it in the hands of Jesus Christ. Don't think it won't make a difference when we give it to Jesus Christ. Don't wait to have a lot before you commit it to Jesus Christ for him to use. In fact, I read the account of J.L. Kraft. He's the, the, the head and president of Kraft Cheese Corporation who had given approximately 25% of his enormous income to Christian causes for many years. And here's what he said. He said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to Jesus. J.B. Rockefeller said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50. Isn't that something? Don't ever underestimate what you currently have in your life. You think your talents are small. You think your time is small. You think your resources are small. And if you take those and you put them in the hands of Jesus to be able to help other individuals, we give no matter what we have. Here's number two. This is the big deal. Give to what God is in. We give to what God is in. This is, this is the part of investing that I love. One way to maximize what you give, like the boy, is to give to things that God is in, that God wants to grow. So if you think about this, that boy's lunch if it was enough to feed him, if we put it in today's terms, like a Happy Meal, would have been maybe worth $5.50. Jesus Christ took that little Happy Meal from that boy and fed 15,000 people. And then, if you'll notice, how about I just read the whole text for you here? If we can just pick up verse 9, I'm just going to read down through. It says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? Verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish, and when they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let, the, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely... This is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So think about it, folks. 
$5.50 meal that this little kid had fed 15,000 people and then there were 12 baskets full. So Jesus took $5.50 investment and turned it into an $85,000 return. Now, I don't know how you've done in your investments, but that is a major, major return when put in the hands of Jesus Christ. Now, just, it's just mind-blowing to think that our little thing, when we put it in what God is in, how it can multiply, that's investing. So what are the things God is in? What's God in that we want to invest our lives in, our time in, our resources in? Well, God's in building his church, locally and globally. You know, there's this collective impact that we have on each other and our community and our world. And, and I get to say this, as God has met our budget needs and our giving average is right on par right now to end in the black for this year of 2020. And I'm so grateful for that. What else is God in? God's in people. And this is where I want our focus for 2021 to be. God's in people. God's in caring for family. God's in caring for orphans and widows and single moms and those who are without. God's in caring for one another. And that's an emphasis that can continue to develop that I really believe 2020 has diminished and de-emphasized. And this boy didn't give money. He just gave what he had to help another person. And so I just think of this. Imagine instead of playing on your phone, imagine picking it up and calling someone who's lonely. Now that's an investment. And imagine the investment of that, what that would do, because that's something that God is in. And imagine instead of writing down a list of things that you want on a piece of paper, instead imagine writing a note on a piece of paper to someone who needs encouragement and love, a pick-me-up in their life. That's investing in someone. Imagine instead of pouring a cup of coffee for yourself, you pour a second one for someone else and you share it with them, and you sit down, and you spend time with them, and you pray with them, that's investing in the life of another. Imagine, instead of time burned on the couch, you spend that time with someone else, listening to them, and talking with them, and praying with them. Friends, this is time and resource and energy spent in things that God is in, because God is in 
investing in people's lives. And when we invest ourselves in others, God multiplies that. That advances things for his kingdom. So you know what? Give whatever you have. Don't, don't underestimate it. Give whatever you have. Give to what God's in. And then lastly, I just want to express, and this is, this is the beauty, you know, because your gift in God's hands will do much more than if left in your own hands. And here's the third thing I just want to give to you. Give so that God is elevated. Give so that God is elevated. Here's the beauty of how the story ends. Notice nothing more is said about the boy. We don't even know his name. And it's probably a good thing we don't know his name because churches would probably have ministries named after the boy or financial investments named after the boy. And the ultimate result of the whole account is not that the boy is the hero. No one talked about the boy. No one talked about his gift or his generosity. The remarkable outcome of this entire event is that everyone was talking about Jesus. He was the talk of the town. Every conversation was buzzing about Jesus Christ and his power so much that they wanted to force him to become king at that time and he had to retreat. And in my book, friends, that's total success. And you know, in, in my book, when we invest in someone's life and to hear them say, God met my need, boom, that's success. Jesus answered my prayer, that's success. And the success of the gift is not found in the plaque or the recognition that we get, but rather the recognition that comes to Jesus Christ through everything that is done. So we give from what we have, whatever it is, even if we feel it's small, and, and we give to what God is in, because you know what? God can take that $5.50 investment that we have and turn it into $85,000 investment in his kingdom, in the lives of people. And we give with the desire that God is elevated, that his name is known, that his word is spread. And you know, 2020, as I mentioned, it didn't deplete our finances, but it did take a hit on our relationships, on our connection, on our love. And that's the currency we need to deal in again. And I need to tell you about an example of how that currency exchanged hands in our church just a few weeks ago. Because there was a young woman who came to our church about two years ago. And she was hurting. And her life was in a really tough spot. And another woman came alongside of her and invested time and prayer and resource. As, as she said it, this woman came close to her and called her and kept in touch with her 
and prayed with her and counseled with her. And over these last couple years, this young lady's life grew and developed and she has come around and she's someone with whom we are really proud of and thankful for. God has really worked in her life. We've seen the investment of this one into the life of this one who was hurting and it has paid off. And God's done some great things. But here's where we saw the currency exchange again. Because that woman who came in here two years ago, who was invested in, just walked up to another young woman in our church who recently came here, who was hurting, and who needed someone to invest in her. That woman from two years ago just walked up to another young woman in our church and introduced herself. And my pastoral ear was perched as I was listening and overhearing, and I heard her introduce herself, and she said, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to go out and have coffee? And boom, the investment has begun again. That little investment of whatever you have, putting it into what God is in, and God gets the credit. So I want to I want to talk about just a couple things as we finish. Who gives? Who gives? Everyone gives. Everyone. Old, young, middle-aged, student, married, single, widow, divorced, physically or mentally challenged, genius, employed, unemployed, athlete, male, female, any race, any language, it doesn't matter. Everyone gives. Next question, what do we give? Whatever we have, that's the answer. We give of our time. We give of, our, of ourselves. We give of our companionship, of our food. We give cards, we give relationships, we give talents, we give resources, we give counsel. We give calls, we give encouragement, we give compassion. We all have things we can give in 2021 that are going to make a difference in the lives of other people. So who gives? Everyone. Things to give? Whatever we've got. Who to give to? The needy. The orphan, the widow, the hurting, the sick, the children, the elderly, those that are out of work, the families that have needs, even give to your enemy. I mean, whoever may need it, someone who needs encouragement, we just need to look around. But who to give to? There's everyone. Everyone around us has a need. Who gives? We all do. Things to give? whatever God's given to us. Who to give to? Everyone. We look around and give to those who are in need. And then lastly, why give? Why do we give? This is where it really hits home. Because giving is a great picture of Jesus Christ. And it's a great picture of 
his gospel, the good news. It's a great picture of for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Giving elevates Jesus. Giving models the gospel. Giving advances God's kingdom. Giving orbits around the example and the testimony of Jesus Christ for us. It shows people that we are Jesus Christ's possession and that we're all about modeling who he is to our world. It even gives us the opportunity to share the gospel with other people. That's why we give. It's because of the gospel. It's about the gospel. So I want to say, friends, let's not be focused too much on money. Let's be focused on investing ourselves in God's kingdom and giving of us and seeing what he'll take from our little bits of investments in each other and growing that in 2021. And so, Father, we finish by saying, take our little bits of investments, our little crumbs, our little loaves, our little fish of investments in the lives of others and grow them in ways that only you can. Grow your kingdom. Help us to grow each other. May we be better off for being in the lives of each other. May we see a difference this coming year by us all being investors. And we pray this for your glory and your credit and the spreading of your fame and the news of your rescue. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, friends. We'll see you next week here at Church at Home.